we are continuing this, uh, this series we're in, which is um, living a life of spiritual renewal. We've been talking about prayer and things directly or indirectly related to prayer uh, since a little bit before Easter in the past, I don't know, uh, two or three weeks or so. We are shifting gears to a, a new area in this uh, living a life of spiritual renewal. It's, it's, if you've been in Christianity for some length of time, you may be familiar with the, the, the word, you know, spiritual disciplines, um, maybe spiritual practices or things along that nature. Maybe when you hear that, uh, depending on, on what your, you know, church background is, you may have this like horrible taste in your mouth, like, I don't like those words, discipline, you know, it feels like law or, you know, something heavy. Uh, well, they, they aren't really. Uh, these things are, we're talking about many of these things in the coming months, and they are ancient practices that Jesus himself did that for just uh, century after century after century, Christians have cultivated a depth in their life in Christ by engaging these things. And so rather look, to look at them as a discipline, look at them as a way to, to get more of God in our life. That's what we need to approach with. So we're looking at Sabbath for the next month. And again, maybe you're thinking, well, that's interesting. Sabbath for a whole month? Yes. Hopefully you'll understand why in just a few minutes. But today's sermon uh, is, is um, Sabbath as cultural resistance. Rest is cultural resistance. This is what I mean by that. Let's introduce kind of what I mean by Sabbath here. So if you're talking to somebody... And I say, hey, how's it going? Or you ask me, you know, how was your week? It was great. It was really, what, what's the normal phrase we use? Busy. Anybody ever say that? Like today, yesterday, that last week? Of course, this is, it was busy because it was busy. That's like a true thing. Like it's, it was actually busy. In America, we are completely overworked. Did you know, I learned this this week. If you live in England, did you know it's mandatory? On top of the eight or 10, you know, federal holidays they have in England to take 28 days off of work a year, you have to, all right? Now we as Americans think, those lazy English people, they need to work. Did you know all of Europe actually does that? We're the weird ones, guys. It's us. We are... The weird ones. I remember I was trying to buy something that was Italian made in August and the company was unreachable. They said, sorry, you can follow back with us in September. And I'm like, what? Imagine that happening in America, right? Um, who enjoys our busyness? Like, do you love looking at your calendar and seeing it maxed out and think, ah, a maxed out calendar. This is great. Somewhere along the way, we've accepted this. It's just, it's just normal. It is what it is. It's just busy. And even to suggest that something is wrong with it, um, I don't know what kind of response may come out of your heart or out of your mind, depending on, on what you're busy with, right? Um, I'm going to consider this. So ads often try to sell us something that we want, okay? And many of these advertisements are kind of focused on rest, right? You see, I don't know. A, a commercial and there's people on the beach and they're chilling, they got their chairs out and they're selling you like sandals, right? For $69.99, these special sandals, you can get a taste of the beach, right? 
But they're using this imagery of rest to, to catch her heart because as one pastor, John Mark Homer said, turns out that this idea of Sabbath, it sells because we all want it, right? Um, you don't see ads looking to full calendar trying to say, buy these sandals, you'll be able to have this full calendar. That doesn't sell very well. It's the thing of rest that sells. Uh, the Chinese language uses pictographs to create words and, and then show their meaning, and I learned this this week. Do you know how they, um, what, what they put together to make the pictograph for busy? The first image, there's two of them, the first image they, they get in their pictograph writing is the word for killing, and the second is the word for heart. And they put them together, and there's your word busyness. The heart killer. Because here's the truth. Busyness is a spiritual issue. It is not, uh, it's deeper than just the crowding of the demands around you. Because if you're like me, we've given in to this way too often. And the reality is, there's a spiritual issue at work in our busyness. Because busyness can crush our souls. It can crush our hearts. It's a spiritual issue. If you feel overly busy, I'm going to say it one more time. You have a spiritual issue in your life. Why have you given yourself over to this? Why? This sermon series is going to be about the biblical idea of Sabbath because in a overworked culture and a total, the, 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 you know, culture of total work that we live in, the idea of Sabbath is very upstream. In fact, as, as some have pointed out, for all of time, Sabbath has really kind of been intended to be this, this, this time in any culture that helps us to resist the forces that work around us. And it was given to us by God at the very beginning in creation. It's a way that our lives are kept to be lived before God and not in slavery to our culture. And so in the next month, we'll be talking about this. And um, if you allow this biblical wisdom to, to really just, if you soak it up and just, if you listen, and, and we together do this, you allow it to really penetrate your heart, not just your heart, but your weekly rhythms in life. I'm telling you, it really can change your life. I don't normally say things like that from the pulpit because if I said it every week, like, well, everything changes. Like, this really could change your life. Okay, so I want you to, to, I mean that sincerely, because I'm here to tell you that Jesus does not desire you to live your life exhausted. I know that because he said so. How did Jesus describe himself? Matthew 11, should be on the screen behind us here. Come to me, all who are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus wants to give you rest. So when we find rest, friends, we're putting ourselves in a position to experience Jesus more. And avoiding rest means we're missing out and experiencing and knowing the depths of who Jesus Christ is. You guys tracking with me so far? You guys awake? All right. So what does the word um, uh, Sabbath even mean? The word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat. It it has a a couple of varying kind of ways it's used in the Hebrew scriptures, but for the most part, um, just the idea of stopping, resting, ceasing, 
right? That's really what the, what the, the word uh, has behind it in its force. It, it comes into play early on in Genesis chapter 2. On that last day of creation, thus the heavens and the earth are completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested. He took his Sabbath. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from the work of creating that he had done. Days in scripture begin in the evening. Thus, traditionally, uh, the Sabbath day begins the night before because you have to prepare for it. It's not, we'll talk about this. It's not a passive day to enter. It takes the night before of preparation. But just to get this out of the way, um, this is no rigid law to be kept. Okay, if you don't do this, God's not going to be, you know, waiting to just smike you unless you repent. Like, that's not how this works, okay? Um, This is not a law that if you don't do it, it's a sin, right? Uh, Sometimes in our, just by by the uh, results of living and and working in in a culture that doesn't really have a vision for a Sabbath or anything any longer, for some families it can be like a two partial half days. There's, There's no rigidity here, okay? Like, we're not looking as a church, we don't believe, you know, you have to do this. You're not going to find a New Testament verse that says, if you follow Jesus, you must keep the Sabbath. All right? That's not what we're talking about here or embracing as a church. But however, as we work through the scriptures and we see God's design for it, I don't think it's going to take much to sell you on the wisdom of it. All right? It's not going to take much to sell you on the wisdom of it because even as you're sitting here, maybe your heart's stirring because you're like, man, that'd be nice. Like a full day, a full day. Don't you already want that and long for that, right? Because you were designed for it, in a way. You were designed for this, you guys tracking? So you're already longing for it. And in this series on spiritual renewal, right, this is a a crucial posture to, um, a a crucial rhythm to enter into, um, to, to have this life of renewal. So, okay. Let's, let's go into some definitions here. We just read in Genesis chapter 2, 1 through 3, um, that God stopped on the seventh day. Now we know God does not go weary. God does not go tired. He didn't need to stop because he was out of breath. Um, he created us for work, but what he had in mind was he wanted to build into the very design of this world and us as image bearers a day of non-work, a day of rest. Because God rested, he calls us to join him in his rest. So there are three things this morning primarily we're going to look at. A lot more could be said. We have, a, like I said, three more Sundays to look at things concerning the Sabbath. But um, this is a sermon about uh, the wisdom of this. There are certain practices that um, both Jews and Christians alike for, for really millennia um, have learned insights that they have gathered from um, keeping the Sabbath. There's something close to the Sabbath. So we're going to be drawing from wisdom that's been drawn from church history. The course is all based on scripture. And um, hopefully, um, you're going to see that the Sabbath is not a burden to be kept, um, but the idea of it is one that will just unleash us to uh, have more of God in our lives and our families. And so, um, here's what Sabbath is not. Let me just define it before we get into definitions. Sabbath is not a passive day of couch lounging, uh, staring at screens, eating a whole box of Oreos. Not that I've done that before, right? Um, that's not exactly what I, what I think the scripture points us towards, 
okay? There's a place and time for like one of those. Okay, we get that. Sometimes we, that's necessary, that's fine. But that's not exactly the, the, the vision behind what Sabbath is. And so here's the first insight that comes to us from the scriptures. That Sabbath rest is and can be a glimpse of our eternal future. A glimpse of eternity. All right, let's work through this. According to scripture, um, uh, it, it begins, uh, all this begins that if, if you are in Christ... We know that for all of eternity, we're going to be with him, right? And when, he, when, when the new heavens, new earth come, it says God's dwelling places once again with humankind. He's physically with us forever and ever. Here's how Hebrews 4 describes this rest, okay, that we have now and even hinting at the one that is to come. So listen, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest. Just as God has said, so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all of his works. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. So what is, what, what is this passage going on? I kind of grabbed it in the middle of a, of a book, right? Well, ultimately, this quote comes from Psalm 95. And it's a reference to that first generation who God took out of Egypt and they were in the wilderness about to be brought to the promised land. But because of their sin and because of their unbelief, they could not enter the promised land. But the way that the promised land is described is not land. It's described as God's rest. Why? It wasn't like he would step one foot into the promised land. Oh, rest. It was because God was there that made it a place of rest. It was his presence. That's why Moses said, I don't want to go to the promised land if you're not going, God. It's God, his presence, that brings it, uh, makes it a place of rest. And so even today, okay, if you're in Christ and you have his Holy Spirit, you can experience that rest today because his presence is inside of you and with you and surrounds you. But his presence today through his spirit still, it, it brings our eyes forward to the day when all things are renewed and we are actually with him forever and ever in the new heavens and the new earth. And I want to spend a minute just thinking about what is that place like? Our eternal future in God's presence. What are the characteristics of that place? What are the qualities of that kind of world that will be perfected and made whole and complete in that day? Revelation 21, three through five. It's a glimpse of that future age. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Sabbath becomes a call then to catch a glimpse of this future age. In a broken world full of tears, full of death and mourning and crying and pain, we take a day intentionally to be lived before God, pulling ourselves out of this broken world and in faith 
allowing him to refresh our hearts with delight, with the things of life itself that describe what heaven is like. This is why we, on the Sabbath, many people engage in wholesome things like eating. Because when we meet Christ on that day, guess what's going to be had? A massive dinner with him. We get to feast with him. So on Sabbath, feast. Let it be a glimpse of that ultimate feast that we will have when Jesus returns to this world. Have special drinks, sit with people in joy and in laughter. Engage in things that reap life, that are life-giving to you because heaven is one that is of life. You see, Isaiah speaking of the Sabbath in this way in chapter 58 of his, of his book, he says, if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath from doing your pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, here's what he says, verse 14, then you shall take delight in the Lord. I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Again, don't read this as law, okay? This is God attaching delight to a day that is set apart. He says he will make us ride on the heights of the earth. Other references, the same phrases used elsewhere in the Old Testament, speaking of God's place over the earth. He says, you get to see things from my perspective if you set apart that day and you're with me. You get to see life from my perspective. He will feed his people with the heritage of Jacob. Centuries of history wrapped up in such delights of resting in and with and before God can be given to us. So she set apart a day to be with him. Again, this is not law, but as followers of Jesus, why wouldn't we want to do this and to take advantage of this? There's more as to why that is. And the, the second thing I want to point out is Sabbath is a way that we practice surrendering to God. It's the way we practice surrendering to God. Um, this glimpse of eternity can be found as we um, even daily practice surrendering all of ourselves to God, but especially for that one day. I mean, he, he calls all of us, and this is something we have to talk about con- constantly because our hearts are just so inclined um, elsewhere. Romans 12.1 speaks of, he says, I appeal to you, brothers, Paul, writing by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, not just your minds, but your bodies, all of you. All of you as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. The wisdom of Sabbath keeping becomes part of the training ground for this whole self-giving over to God because it's sacrificing an entire week or day of your week. Really, if it's done every week, it's giving one-seventh of your time entirely over to God. For many Christians, this is kind of natural on Sundays, right? Uh, it's a natural day to try something like this. Um, and I want to talk about what I mean by surrendering a day. Cause you're like, Oh, you mean like sitting around just like reading Bible verses all day and just like praying and like in my living room, like, is that what I have to do? No, like that's not the, 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 the path here, nor am I saying it should be spent, you know, binging on Netflix with it, eating a whole bag of chips either. Like there's, there's a middle ground here. Okay. It, it, it's, there is intentionality in approaching a day that is set apart, not passively, but intentionally. And a couple of realities here of why this is important. Um, uh, per the title, cultural resistance here, you know, buying and shopping defines America. 
We are a consumer-oriented culture, and it's so easy to be enslaved to this. So what if just for a day you resisted pulling up the Amazon app and ordering something? It may come a day later, but you resist it. As a reminder, I am not just a consumer. My life is more than just buying and purchasing. I'm saying yes, I for a day. I'm going to enjoy God. I'm resisting that. It's not, it's not my chains. Those aren't my, my, my it's not you know, what I'm enslaved to. That's, I'm in God. He is my Lord. Amazon does not run my life. It's resisting getting things done. And it's a time to engage things in life that really, truly matter. Example, I struggled with this. Last Saturday, you know, we were trying to practice these things. And, and Alex said, you spent most of the day frustrated because I have this like massive list of things to do. And I'm like, oh, there's so much to do. And I was trying to resist just like doing all day and just want to be with my family, be with my kids, right? Be with my wife. Um, but I, I had a hard time. But yesterday I, I had a little bit of success, right? Because we were in, back here, my, we were in my backyard and my three-year-old Silas, he said, daddy pushed me on the swing. All right. And I really, Alice and I were talking for a good while in the backyard and realized like, we both were saying it. We're often just, life is going so quickly that we don't even, we don't even have time to push my three-year-old in the swing often, right? But I was like, you know, could I take a half hour and just, we took shifts a little bit, you know, but just to dedicate my attention to my three-year-old, can I do that? And we did. My wife, we talked, we took shifts, we pushed, he was giggling, I was tickling him the way up, you know, he was laughing like... It was life-giving, and I felt the Lord saying, enjoy your child. You're so often so busy, you can't even stop and enjoy him. Take this time. Enjoy him. That's what Sabbath is about, enjoying friends, enjoying family, enjoying the things that cultivate life in you that often at the speed of our lives we miss. That's what taking this day is about. It's a big deal to surrender a whole day to this. But again, training grounds for your weekly rhythms of your life to begin being aimed towards Jesus. Because again, there's so much to do. We're so busy. We got to go here, got to go there, got to go to this, grocery shopping, this and that. But if you find this practice, right, you are stirring in you and your family a deeper life in God that will be far more meaningful than knocking more of those to-do tasks off your list just to be filled up with more to-do tasks or shopping that clearance rack at Kohl's, Right? But also trains us this. This is a really crucial thing that I've learned. We're about six months into trying to practice this, okay? So we're not experts or anything. But what I've realized in this whole idea of surrendering to God is this. My days before this, when it comes to my week, it, I realize like I'm building up to this day, okay? Like I want you to think of that day as like a mini Christmas morning every week where you're just waking up, you're not in a rush, you're feasting, you're enjoying breakfast. That's like Christmas morning, right? One of the avenues we love those days. Like opportunities to come every single week to rest. And, and as you're working, as other six days are happening, you're realizing like my whole week is becoming oriented towards this, this act of worship before Jesus. And so then my work becomes informed. Like I want to work hard. I want to dedicate these six days wholly unto the Lord in my work in anticipation of this day of worship, be sitting with my family and singing hymns and reading scripture together. 
together and resting and going to walk so then like my whole week begins this slow kind of surrender to God because I know in times past I could come up to Sunday morning and just be like what happened this week I don't even know I just like passively let it happen and here I am I don't even know what happened this week and we're resisting this. We're giving vision to our days to complete and whole surrender to him. Um, uh, we have a habit in our family of sitting around and the night before, when this happens, you know, sometimes it changes in our week, but the night before this day, we, we look back in our week and we say, what is the work that God has given us that we are thankful for this week? And we share that. And we had a neighbor over this week and, and he was a part of that with us and he shared things he was thankful for and we prayed together and it was amazing right? Just to hear this, this spirit of thanksgiving being cast. But again, there's, there's an intentionality behind this day, not to be passively um, happening. And the final third thing here is um, Sabbath is a day of contemplation before God. Contemplation is like, what, what does that word mean? Who does contemplating these days? Um, our culture doesn't want you to think. Let me just say this, like, I don't know if you figured this out yet. Our culture doesn't want you to think. It wants you to passively just be here. So when they say, go and buy this or do this, you'll just do it. Click on this, look at this on your phone, you'll just do it, you'll just keep going. They don't want you to think. They want you to be passive. But the call of Sabbath is actually, like we are not a contemplative culture, right? We are a passive culture with our screens and movies that often just kind of numb our minds. But Sabbath is a day for restful thinking. It's a wonderful day to give thanks to God. Psalm 107 is a great example of this. Psalm 107, just read it. It's becoming one of my favorite psalms. It just looks at all these broken people and all these situations of which people are just crying out to God for salvation and for, and for help. Like in verse 9 in 107, it says, for he satisfies a longing soul, the hungry soul he fills with good things. It's just recounting all of his saving work and it ends in Psalm 107, 43. It says, whoever is wise, let him attend to these things let them consider the steadfast love of the lord the wisdom of sabbath is taking one day a week to attend to what god has been doing in your life this week instead of just letting it go and not stopping and considering what the work is that he's doing in your family in your own heart and in those around you we are called to be with Jesus. We're called to become like him and do the things that he did. So maybe, you know, it's taking time to write or journal. Maybe it's just a long conversation with your friend or family member. Maybe it's that long walk that you feel like you never have time to do. But you realize that even doing this, like you're, our minds are just, we're just so distracted. We are the most distracted culture that's sitting, even in your own mind, may be really hard work initially. It may be really difficult just to sit and say, I'm just gonna just think for a few minutes and just have a long conversation without yanking my phone up and looking at like what my Instagram feed is, like 90s pro wrestling videos. Because that's what I watched when I was a kid and it's great. And it's super distracting. <laughs> I just said that out loud, that's funny. Any pro wrestling fans from the 90s or old, the old Hulk Hogan days? Yeah, great, right? Anyway. Super distracting. Living a day not distracted is really hard, but oh man, it's great for the soul. It is great for the soul. And I really firmly believe God wants us to, if you're wise, to attend to his work. Spend the day not distracted, attending to it. 
We're going to spend a whole sermon on the biblical idea of, of finding delight in, our, in, in Sabbath keeping, finding delight in God and what that means. But when you can finally calm down that speedy anxiousness in your mind and all the mindless distractions that we all are so easily given over to, you realize that such rest will open your eyes to the joy and delight of life that surrounds us, that God is offering us and has given us in Christ. And it will be amplified and cultivated. So there's a couple of, just a summary here. We'll be wrapping up here. Sabbath can be a glimpse of eternity. As Jesus prayed on earth as in heaven, we can experience just a glimpse one day a week of what it'll be like to be with him forever and ever. And we get to practice surrendering all of ourselves to God one day a week. And third, it's that day of just contemplation before him. Here's the truth, the hurdle that comes with this, right? If you're sitting here thinking, I don't have to do this, I'm free in Christ. Great, okay, you can think that and you can choose not to do it and God's not gonna judge you for it. But here's the truth though, is like, even if you hear this, you're like, yeah, it sounds kind of nice. The question though is like, do you really want this though? Like, I, here's where I'm at in my life, okay? Um, and I hope I'm always this way. And I have a story in a minute, but... Um, like I know there's, there, there's, there's this other leap in my own heart and life that I want to take just to have more of Jesus in my life. Like my desires don't seem quite matched with my day-to-day experience and living before Jesus. And my heart is often crying out, Lord, I, I want these things to match. Like I want to be just utterly fulfilled in you, but I find myself unfulfilled often. And it is conversations like this, like these practices, like Sabbath keeping that I believe can just kind of push us beyond that hurdle. Because I don't think I'm the only one that feels those things. That you have those unmet desires of just wanting more of Jesus, but somehow you just don't have him, right? So even just the wisdom of saying, just give him one full day, one seventh of your entire life, just give it to him. The question is, do you really want to do this? Because it may require you to back out of commitments. It may require you to say no to things. It may alter your life's and week's habits. You may feel like suddenly that that's more sacred ground in your own heart than you realized. And Jesus just may want to encroach upon that. He may just want to approach upon you know, that and take that for himself. Because in doing so, you're going to be receiving more of him. This is an act of resisting this busy life in America. You know, power to the man. Let's stick it to the man, right? Like there's like that punk rock kind of thing here. Like Sabbath is punk rock in a way. Any punk rock fans? No? There we go. All right. Like, we're resisting here. We're saying no to just this constant Russian culture, saying yes to Jesus. That's what this is. It's taken seriously when it says in Romans chapter 10 that if you confess through your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. We confess him as Savior, but to be Lord means he has all of you. Do you want him to have all of you? I got a story to share. She's not here this morning. I was hoping to embarrass her. Um, I was um, set with uh, Sarah Thompson this week for an hour and a half. And many of you know her. She just turned 94 recently. And um, I, I, I sat at her feet like a student with a professor, right? Because when you speak with her, there's this passion. There's a zeal for Jesus in her eyes at 94 years old. And I'm like, Sarah, like, 
where does this come from? Like, teach me, teach me your ways, you know, kind of thing. And it's all she said. I was like, if you could sum it up, like, what is it? I wrote down what she said. And she, her answer was so simple. She said, this living life, knowing that he is my Lord, he is my authority, and I belong to him and not to myself. She said, I live in light of that every day. And just this Sabbath conversation, just one slither of that. Is he your Lord? Is he your authority? Can you give him a day of rest before him? Are you willing, right? Um, again, to end with the words of Christ before we have communion here. Um, Jesus says, all who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. He's inviting you to rest. This is an invitation to our church community here to begin practicing this, enjoying the rest of Christ. I'm gonna call up Bill right now as we take communion. And um, we'll remember the the death of Jesus and then uh, enter into the time of prayer afterwards. First of all, does anyone need, um, okay, in the back, if there's, okay. You all see me giving one to the pastor, he needs one too, you know that. (laughs) Now that leaves me with none. Anyway, we'll we'll start communion in about 10 minutes because it'll probably take you that long to open the little package. But you know what, what I was thinking alongside of that, I was thinking that the very reason that we struggle a little bit to open it is absolutely worth it. It's life-giving worth it. I was thinking about Jesus and the, the, the meal he spent, he sent for the disciples. If, if he had to put up with one of these, his disciples probably would have said, Lord, just can you tell your followers just to celebrate it maybe once a year? So we don't have to do that. Let's pray. Lord, in this very large room this morning, this very large sanctuary, I would imagine that many of us have celebrated communion hundreds and hundreds of times. Lord, I would also imagine that there are some here perhaps who have only celebrated a handful of times. Regardless, Father, of how long, how many times we celebrated communion, Your desire is that there's more that you want to show us about who you are, about the kingdom. There's more that you want to show us, Lord, about the words that Jesus spoke to his disciples. They said every time we celebrate communion, we make a proclamation of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ until he comes. Show us more, Lord. Give us this rest that's been talked about this morning so that we see more of who you are. So I ask the Lord as we celebrate communion, as we're called in this amazing privilege, that you would keep our eyes open, that you would keep our hearts close to you, so that we learn more, Lord, of who you are. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So please take the bread this morning with, with a heart of absolute thanksgiving. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Please take Thank you, Lord, for the awesome ways that you love us. This time we're entering into a time of prayer as we respond. Behind me is a um, slide. This one I have Eugene Peterson, his, his message translation of the Bible. The way he translated Matthew 11, that, that verse we've read twice now. Um, it's very beautiful. And as we read this, okay, it's going to be behind me. Let's just read it together first. And this is a question, like our question for you today. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Again, this is Jesus, right? His translation is getting to the heart of Christ's words here. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. In our time of prayer now, um, if there's anybody in this room who reads those words, and you're like, I'm the tired one, I'm the exhausted one, my life has no margins, I'm walking in here just to run to the next place right after this, and you feel devoid of the rest of Christ, I want to pray for you this morning. I want you to pray. We'll just spend a minute um, just in silence for anybody who just needs to just respond to Jesus right now. Or for anybody who is just crying out to you right now, Lord, who is in need of rest. Lord, give them the strength to take it. For those who are just exhausted, Lord, oh, Jesus, I just ask that you would just be so real to them, Lord. They would just take this invitation at your rest, Lord. Lord, you want to change our life and reorient everything towards you, Lord. Lord, help your people to take you up on this offer, Lord. It's hard in our culture to take rest, but Lord, it's an invitation, Lord. I, I just pray we could reach out and grab your rest, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Um, we're about to sing another song in closing. We're going to have some people available for, uh, for prayer up front. If you need to come forward for prayer and um, take them up on it. 
Jesus wants to give you rest.